Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The podcast with Dan Bardell and Greg Evans. Hello and welcome to 1874, the podcast. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by the Athletics' Greg Evans, as ever, to talk over what has been a monumental week for Aston Villa Football Club. So we're going to go back and talk about how Aston Villa have toppled Manchester City and Arsenal without conceding a goal in the last week or so. And Greg's got some lovely, tasty inside information. I've read his piece with Jacob Tanswell this morning on the Athletics website, and Greg has plenty of info. So it should be a really, really interesting podcast. Before we get into that, just a quick word about our sponsors, NordVPN. You can grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to 1874.io slash NordVPN. If you do that, you'll get a huge discount on everything that have to offer and you'll also get four months for free and if you don't like it it's completely risk-free because you can get your money back after 30 days if you're not satisfied greg we did the show last week as villa were about to embark on the kind of week where you think this is going to define where aston villa are going to be this season come, come may or what villa are going to be aiming for are aston villa now aiming to be title challengers greg i mean i think aston villa are aiming to be uh title winners I think they, they're all they're already in the challenge that I mean we're, we're safe to say now that, that Villa are title challengers I'm, I'm okay I'm sounding like I've changed my tune a little bit from last week we're one week on from me absolutely ridiculing you um, for suggesting that that Villa should be even thinking about getting six points from it but look you know fair play um, you, you, you know you know what you want you know what you're expecting from this team um, and they went and delivered, and I thought they were they were brilliant. Look, they were sensational against Man City. Um, you know, very very classy in their performance. A little bit of a different type of performance against Arsenal. They showed guts as well as the guile to you know to get them over the line. And I think that's a sign of a good team. You know, if they can go out and grind grind wins uh, when they don't play as well, um, but see off some of the best teams in the division, then that's you know brilliant. And look, Villa are in the title race. Yeah, I, I don't care what other people are saying. I still think that Arsenal, Man City and Liverpool have a better chance of finishing above them. But, you know, who, who's going to back against Villa now, the, the way they're performing? I just want there to be as big a gap between fourth and fifth or fourth and sixth as possible. Because at the moment, we're still not 100% sure whether fifth will secure Champions League football. So to me, I, although like, I, can't, I almost can't bring myself to say they're in the in the title race. I, I can't bring myself to think that just yet. Although, look, they're doing absolutely superbly. But I'm just looking at now. Let's try and cement fourth. Let's try and get a, as far away from everyone else and kind of stay third, fourth for as long as possible. And then we've just got an excellent chance of, of being in the Champions League. But not many teams. I mean, not many teams will beat Arsenal and Manchester City this season. But to do it in the space of a few days with the same eleven. You know, without conceding a goal, 
we've been saying all season, well, not all season, but as the season's gone on, we're like, this is a serious team. You know, Emery's a serious manager. Villa are, Villa are going places. Started off thinking top six. Then it's, can, well, can we push towards Champions League football? And now people are talking about the title. But just how did Villa pull this off, Greg? Well, I mean, first of all, just, just going back to last week and, and before these two games, it felt like Villa did need to win one of these to really sort of cement themselves in, in people's thoughts because, OK, they've beaten Tottenham and OK, they've beaten Tottenham last year, Newcastle and Brighton and still look back at that Newcastle game and, um, you know, last season, the, the 3-0 victory and thought that was the most complete performance of, of any Villa team I've ever watched. But the Man City game eclipsed that, you know, yeah. just because of the level of opponent um, and just the way Villa went about it. So, how did they do it? Well, I mean, you know, how do they how do they do it every week? It, it's 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 a very specific, detailed plan for every um, for every team. You know, Man City. Uh, let, let's take Man City for for, for the at the starting point. Um, you know, Una Emery decided to to train on the day of the game. You know, a light session early in the morning. That was has, has that ever happened before? Have we ever done that before? I think it has happened before, but um, you know, it's, it's something. It's, it's quite unique for this period of, of, of fixtures. And look, purely because Villa have got so many games, um, you know, this season and, and, and we're in a you know, super intense period of the season. The the coaching team, you know, alongside Uno Emery have to get the schedule right. You know, they have to look at the players' loads and, and see how much they're putting in and how tired they are and how much rest and recovery they're getting. And that's a real skill in itself. And uh, the fact that Villa have got a very strong... Um, you know, support team around the manager is certainly helping because they've got all obviously those details. But look, that was one of the things they decided on. Um, and we said last week, didn't we, Dan? If Villa were going to go and beat Man City, they had to be brave and positive and believe in themselves and play the way that they've been playing all season. Just go and put that into practice. You know, I watched Man City against Chelsea when they drew 4 4, and Chelsea were brilliant at breaking through their press. and Pretty much, that's what what Villa did. You know, they were confident playing out from the back. They didn't change the game plan. Um, there were some, you know, minor tweaks because you're coming up against an elite side and you need to give them a little bit more respect. But I think that's the biggest thing that they didn't do. They didn't show Man City the respect that other teams do, and they went and put it put it on them from the front foot. Yeah, I think that was the most impressive thing that, we, like you say, we, we we said there's no point sitting back. And Emery said this as well. There's no point sitting back and, and waiting to to be killed. And I think the biggest thing that we've taken from this week is that Villa can win in different ways because they did dominate that game against Manchester City. And I think that might be my favourite Villa game ever. There's a few, there's a few other contenders in there, but I think that might be my favourite game ever. The Arsenal game was a very different type. Of victory. Now, I don't know, was that the way Villa played against Arsenal? It did end up being they did have to sit back a bit and because I think they were lacking energy But by the end of the game. Was that performance by design, like the Manchester City one was? Or would they have liked to have played the same way as they did against City against Arsenal? <laughs> Look, Emery's big words are control, isn't it? You know, he always, wants, he always wants his team to be able to control the game. And typically that's by having possession and taking the pressure off, you know, from and, and, and basically not letting the opponents have the ball. It was a little bit different against Arsenal, and, and it's. I thought I thought it was always going to be a tougher game purely because they gave so much against Man City, and it's really difficult for a group of players, you know, an unchanged team who put everything into that Man City game to then come out and be as expressive against Arsenal. And look, they tried it, didn't they? They, you know, it was clever to to move the. Um, um, the kick off around and attack the whole end. I thought that was a clever plan. You know, they've seen seen Villa do that on previous occasions, but 
look, what Emery likes from his team and one of the real targets for this game, the Arsenal game, was to go on the front foot, get that first goal. And then Villa are the only team, I think, in the Premier League who haven't dropped points from yeah, winning positions. Is yeah, that correct? correct. I think yeah. so. You know, it, there's a there's a real steal and, and robustness to Villa there that they can that they can hold on to the, the victories. And look, they went out, not all guns blazing, but they really put it on Arsenal, I think, early in, early in that game. And that move for the goal was fantastic. Um, after that, they had to soak it up a bit. Emery wouldn't have been as pleased with the performance, for sure. But my word, the result, you know, that was the big one for him. Um, privately, I thought he, sorry, publicly, he was very coy and cautious, wasn't he? You know, going into the games, he was like, yeah, you know, there's still six teams that are probably better than us, that have got a better chance of finishing. We're not really in the title race. Arsenal are a brilliant team, but privately, desperately wanted to beat them, and, you know, for obvious reasons. Oh yeah, I'm I'm really really pleased for him actually because he did take a lot of unfair criticism and a lot of it was felt not not per, like personal, it's almost like bullying, cyberbullying mm. basically. Emery when when, when he was at Arsenal and he, he celebration at the end that's the most yeah. pumped I've probably ever seen him. Yeah, he'll have loved the fact that they that they won this game and he'll have loved the fact that, you know he hadn't beaten Pep. Either. Let, let, let's remember, it's the first time he's beat Pep Guardiola in his in, in his career. So it's a stupendous few days for the for, for the manager as well. Villa just could not keep a clean sheet. We've said it for, for weeks and weeks and weeks. Why can't we keep a clean sheet? Even when we're comfortable in a game, we seem to ship a goal. And then the two best teams in the country rock up to Villa Park and we keep two clean sheets, Greg. Again, very impressive, isn't it? You know, the way they shut out Man City to, to limit them to just a couple of shots on goal was was, was so impressive. Um, bit of a different game against Arsenal. I thought, you know, Arsenal... Arsenal Okay, you've got to score, but I thought they created enough good chances to score, didn't they? You know, they, there was there was a couple of you know real clear cut opportunities for them. Okay, Emmy Martinez didn't really have much to do in terms of making saves, but I think some of the movements and the positions Arsenal got into were were, were promising. Um, and look, if you take the result away from it, you know, forget the fact that Villa won one nil. You just look at the performance, you know. Arsenal performed better than Villa on the day. Yeah, admittedly, agreed. yeah. Second so half, you know, yeah. we're, we're in agree we're in agreement with that, but. You know, f- forget about it because it's Villa have shown enough over this season that they can go and perform well, and they did it what three days earlier against who I still think are the best team in the division. Um, you know, best team in the with, world. Yeah, yeah, and albeit with a couple of um, you know key absentees. Yeah, that was. I mean, that was Arsenal at full strength. Exactly. That, that that was their best team. You know, you might look at the Manchester City game like you're saying people are saying, oh, Rodri was missing, who's a, a key component of Manchester City. And whenever he seems not to play, they don't seem to get to, to get a result. But you know, I think Villa would have still put in a good good display against Manchester City Manchester City with, with Rodri there. I think Manchester City Manchester City would have found it difficult with Rodri to contain Villa in that move. But that was Arsenal's first choice eleven. Yeah. You know, it, there's not much more you can say about it. You know, it was a it was a brilliant victory. Uh, not 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 fortunate either. You know, it it's a it was a different type of victory. Okay, it wasn't totally convincing, and they didn't dominate the ball, and they didn't have more possession, and they weren't peppering the Arsenal goal, but they did it in a different way. And <laughs> it's it's hard to say this, isn't it? Because you know, we, we I do believe that Villa are in the title race, but. It, I can't that's, believe I'm hearing these words come that, out of your mouth. That's what you know. Champions do. They 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 get results when they don't play at their best, and they win in different ways. 
Yeah, I mean, I've been watching Liverpool recently. You know, they they keep finding a way to win, and they scored very, very late against Fulham. Looked like they were going to get a point against Crystal Crystal Palace, and they end up taking all three with a lovely goal from Harvey Elliott. You know, so they've been finding ways to win games. Arsenal in the week mm. found a way to win the game and scored in the ninety seventh minute against Luton. And Arsenal came into that game with a little bit of momentum as well, and a, and an extra day's rest. I do think that extra day's rest was quite. Pivotal. I think Villa yeah. applied the same day as Arsenal. I think you might have seen a little bit more from Villa going forward. But Villa always ca- carried a threat. And the, one of my biggest takeaways from these last two games is Villa are going into the you know stoppage time, 1-0 up against the two best teams in the division. And being honest, I never felt massively worried that, that the other team was, was going to score, especially the City game. Now, I know you know you can say what you like about the Havertz handball, but you know, unfortunately for Arsenal, they are the rules. If you yeah, score and a ball has hit a hand, that's that's the rule. It's not going to count. Were Villa a little bit fortunate with the, with the penalty? I've watched that back this morning and I, I, I sit in the whole ten. So when I saw it, I, I felt like Jesus was kind of initiating the contact and looking for it. But when I've watched it back, I do think if it was the other way around, I'd be saying it's a penalty in the modern day. Yeah, I'm not... I'm not God, it, I, just not sure of it. I, I just, I just didn't really think it was a penalty. I just didn't think there was enough. I just didn't think there was enough there. You know, it felt like he just made the most of it. And okay, there was contact. There was a penalty given that that day, wasn't there? It was, the, it was Palace Liverpool again, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, but you know, the, you probably look at the, less contact, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 <laughs> there was less contact, but and it's probably without VAR, the Liverpool one. You know, Kwanzaa on. Um, uh, Jarrell Konzer on uh, George uh, Mateta, that probably wouldn't have been, well, it wouldn't have been given, I don't think, without VAR. No. It's not something that the referee would have looked at and thought immediately, that's a, you know, stone, a, a, a clear penalty. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't like these discussions anymore, Dan, I have to admit, I'm getting, no, I'm getting bored of, I'm getting bored of VAR, bored to death of it, to be honest. Um, I think it's, I think it's genuinely ruining the game. Um Look, I'd love to have the the right answer to say what is the suggestion to make it better. I don't know that. Um, I just think that, that you mean know, pe- penalties and they're trying to stop goals. It feels like the officials oh, are trying really, to stop really, goals. I mean that that's the, the we said last week, didn't we? You can't go to a game now and celebrate a goal because you're always worried about VAR. Um, now it just feels like the that. For every game, I mean, every weekend there's something, isn't there? It's more than one, more than one, you know, controversy with VAR every week. It's just, it's frustrating. Sorry, I'm, I'm ranting a bit, but um, I don't think it was a penalty. Yes, there was contact, but I think it was soft. Oh, I always forget about VAR at the game. So when Douglas Lewis scored the header against Manchester City, that got disallowed. I was up going wild. <laughs> Completely forgot that they could even get looked at and and pulled back. Sometimes when you're in the moment of the game, and I, that Manchester, actually both these games, you know, as a fan, sometimes. You're there and you're watching it, but you can't. I felt in both of yeah, those games, like you're in, in a, zone, you're yeah. in a particular <laughs> zone, and I felt like that in these last two games. And I probably I don't remember feeling like that too, too often over over the last few years in games. But Unai Emery's kind of given me that back, where you're so invested in what you're seeing and everything means something. You know, we have okay, Villa under Paul Lambert, McLeish, etc. You know, they were bad times, and sometimes they needed to win games to stay up. But needing to win games because you're riding high in the league, you know, this took me back to like. 98-99 under John Gregory when Villa were top of the league at Christmas and I'm, you know, I loved that time John Gregory is one of, one of my heroes and I loved that team as well but I think I might love this team more Greg I think <clears throat> I think the reason for that is because 
you've suffered a fair bit and you realise now how good it is to be a good team again Forgotten because it. of how bad you know some of the years have been um, and it's very very rare really that, that clubs break in to the so-called top five or six or whatever it's called now don't really think there is a term anymore because it's so loose um, but it's very rare that a club that hasn't been there for a while jumps in you know Newcastle had it last year um, Leicester uh, uh, had it in 2015-16. I hope this isn't a lazy comparison, actually, but Leicester, Leicester's attacking play, uh, sorry, Aston Villa's attacking play is reminding me a little bit of Leicester during that title-winning year, with the likes of Vardy killing off teams ruthlessly when you know he's only given one or two chances. In a way, Watkins has done in some of the games feels like Mares's contributions are a little bit similar to Bailey's yeah. and um, uh, and Diaby's at times. They've got two brilliant central midfielders like Drinkwater and, and Cantor. Okay. I'm being serious here. <laughs> um, I just remember that. Uh, but if you remember how brilliant he was for, for Leicester, you know, he got, yeah, a, got a tip of your act to him. But um, the only thing that's different is defensively. You know, I think that Leicester were very old school, weren't they, in their defence? You know, a couple of a couple of proper defenders, shall we say, <laughs> and in the heart of defence, Villa. Villa of uh, a bit more cultured, I'd say. They like to play their way out of trouble. Um, but also stick to their duties when they're needed. So, yeah, I hope that's not a lazy comparison, no, but no, the attacking play it. does remind me a little bit of them. I said it on TalkSport yesterday. They asked me about the title challenge and what does this feel like. I said it does feel a little bit reminiscent to, <laughs> really? to, to Leicester. I actually said it yesterday, but kind of like I'm looking at Newcastle last season because they got themselves into this kind of position this time last year and then they, they didn't leave the, that, that top four space. And that I think that's what Villa should be aiming to do. I mean, look, Greg Evans has declared Aston Villa a title challengers and clipped that up. Right <laughs> but, I mean, they are now, aren't they? I, I, I still, 15 I still... games? I'm not sure. I can't believe I'm the one who's, who's disagreeing with you. After 15 no, games, I, 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 I think it's a bit soon. My arguments, my, my points to justify why they are title contenders then. So, over 39 games, Yeah, I think fair. it is. Oh, sorry, over 41 games... Villa have now picked up 84 points under Unai Emery. So this is nothing new, this season's form. It's been that's going ridiculous. on for a while. So that's top four, top three form, I'd say. Um, they've just beat the two best teams in the division, or two of the best three teams in the division, um, without conceding a goal. The points are already on the board. The teams below them are looking a little bit wobbler. You know, Tottenham and Newcastle, they're... Uh, injuries are causing them big problems. Man United aren't convincing for me. Man City are that have gone through their little bit of a wobble, but I think they'll get back to their best. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I spoke to a couple of people connected to City, and they're not concerned at the moment. You know, their point was they love their po- their point was look, we've been here before. I think last season they had fewer points than they got now, so yeah, it's not, it's not an issue. It's not an issue for them. You know, they love catching, uh, chasing, and, and trying to catch, and, and typically they'll. Probably go on and do it, yeah. um, but Villa are in this race now. However, however you whether whether Unai Emery likes it or not, or whether he wants to say it or not, he Villa are in the race. Um, and look, you know his message all along has 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 been stay humble, you know, be humble. And great if that's what Villa want to do, that's what's got them there uh, to where they are. But look, privately, each and every one of those players and staff will know that they're in the title race. They might not get it done, but they're in it right now. Yeah, I'm still like, if you offered me fourth now, I'd absolutely take it. 
Fourth's the big picture, isn't it? You want to get into the Champions League. You want to increase the revenue. You want to be able to attract better players. You want those exciting nights at Villa Park, um, you know, bigger nights than than they're currently getting in Europe. Um, And then be able to go mix it with the best and and show what they're capable of. Look, you know, Newcastle had a great season last season. They they did that, as you say, Dan. I think that's what Villa should be aiming to do. Um, It's not quite going for them this year because they've had a lot of injuries. But look, they've had some brilliant nights in, in the Champions League already. And I'm out of it yet. Yeah. Do you think that now that, look, the home form has been scintillating for not far off off a year now. I'd love them to go like 19 games at home, 20 games. So we could say that we went kind of like a whole season at home. Unbeat. I mean, probably privately, the aim is to keep Villa Park, just keep winning every game at Villa Park. And they do look like they can just keep churning out results at Villa Park. And you look at the two next two home games. If you're not in Burnley, you know, you're looking at probably, hopefully, you know, without Mm. being complacent the way Villa have brushed those kind of teams aside, you're expecting to get another two wins there. So you're looking at, the, you know, we could get to 17 going into the into the new year. I think a lot's been made of Villa's away form. There was people losing their mind, you know, this time last week after we drew with Bournemouth, you know, but if you're going to drop points against any of the, in the last three games, you pick the Bournemouth game because, you know, what it does for you in the league table when you're up and around Arsenal and Man City, that does more for you winning those games rather than, rather than beating Bournemouth. Villa's away form actually isn't that bad. It's just that the home form is absolutely ridiculous. So every time they drop any kind of points away, people people look at it and say, oh, we're not as good as away, away as we are at home. <laughs> but it's impossible to be. <laughs> yeah, we'd win every game if we were as good away from home as, as yeah. we were at home. But I actually think these last two games may, because they beat the two of the best, I actually think it might help them in the away games. Now, I think the players now are starting to think, we're a proper team. We are yeah. we are proper top level Premier League players. There's no better player in the Premier League than John McGinn at the moment, in my opinion. If anyone can name me one. I honestly don't think there's a better player in the Premier League in terms of form and what he's churning out week in week out. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree. I mean, you know, up until this weekend, Declan Rice was the guy everybody was talking about. But John, if John McGinn's just gone head to head with the so-called best midfielder. Uh, on form in the, in the Premier League and showing that he's better than him over over ninety minutes, but yeah, I mean, look, we we love the McGinn story, don't we? We love the fact that he's been at the club since two thousand and eighteen. He was um, Nassif Sawiris and Wes Eden's first signing, I think. Was I can't it? remember. Was Andre Moreira first, Greg? I can't <laughs> Surely <laughs> not. <laughs> you might have been. I will have to double check. But it, look, it was it was in the I first transfer Moreira window. Isn't it it yeah. was the first transfer window. Um, uh, was it the year Al- Elmo came and Glenn no, Whelan Elmo, and that? Was Elmo, that the year before? Or the year yeah. before, yeah. Of course it was. Yeah, it was the year before. But um, but yeah, look, he, he, look, McGinn came in the in the first window of of Sawiris and Edens. Um, so he's been on this wonderful journey with the club, all you know, all the way through. He's <laughs> we sound like a broken record, in but you know, he's gone through all the hard times and helped fill her out of the the Championship and establish themselves in the Premier League. And I mean, what must he think of this journey? You must just think, you must feel invincible. You must think, what, what on earth is coming next? Eh? It's a, yeah, exactly. He turns up to Villa in the Championship, gets them promoted, keeps them in the Premier League, establishes them in the Premier League, and he's now got them chasing, gets them into Europe, and he's now ch- uh, get, um, chasing the title or the Champions League at worst. And I mean, that's where that's where I think Villa are at now. Do you think that? Do you the think it's Champions League at worst now? I, 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 I do, I do, I, I do, and I think the reason, the reason, the reason, the reason I say that, and people might shoot me down by saying, Look, I think they will. I think we're only fifteen, we're only fifteen games into the season, etc. You can't be talking about how the league's going to shape up, etc. But 
it's the body of work over those over yeah. the Emery's period that that gives me so much optimism that Villa can keep this going. Um, and for me now, yeah, it, the big picture is finishing the top four. You know, dream about the title, of course. Uh, whether that happens or not, we'll see. But if Villa didn't finish in the top four, um, and 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 the Champions League places uh, didn't go down to the top five. In short, if Villa missed out on the Champions League, it would feel like a bit of a disappointment now, I think. It feels like so they're I there. I don't know what's wrong with me. I don't know whether I'm... I, 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 like, look, deep down, I, I I do think we're really in the mix for Champions League. Like, There's a strong, strong, strong possibility that we can get Champions League. I said that at the start of the season. I, I thought that Villa were capable of, of doing that, looking around the Premier League. I didn't think Chelsea would make a big improvement, and, and they haven't. I thought Newcastle would find it hard... Tottenham, I thought, you know, would struggle a little bit, but they had a, they had a brilliant start, and then they've been patchy recently. Manchester United just are not there at all. They've got no consistency whatsoever. And I, you know, if I had to predict whether they would have beaten Bournemouth at the weekend, I, I would have said no, and I, and I did say no, albeit I had it down for a draw. So there's those three teams that we keep talking about, but Villa are, are in there with them at the moment. Villa are, as, are Villa as good as the, Villa as good as those teams generally in, in squad wise and think, things like that. Do you not think that will play a part as the season goes on? Well, I mean, look, I, I know the, I, again, this sounds pretty ridiculous, doesn't it? But if you look at Man City's top sort of 13, 14 players, I had no when, to bring on against Villa, when they're all fit. Yeah. When they're all fit, Man City's top 13, 14 players are brilliant. And, you know, they'll win the league if, if they all stay fit every every year because they're they're that good. But you look at the bench against Villa, and I'm convinced Guardiola would have loved to have Ramsey coming off the bench for him or Villa's options compared yeah, to yeah, you know, Oscar Bob and um, uh, who's the other guy that come on Kovacic, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, Kovacic is a player. But yeah, you know, look, I, I think I think Guardiola would have preferred to have Villa's bench than his bench in that game, just because there were so many options for Villa. Um, Arsenal's squad is strong, you know, clearly, but Villa have just beaten them. So, you know, what, what, <laughs> where do we go from there? Liverpool's squad is, is brilliant. You know, the, the story of their season so far is the fact that substitutes keep scoring and, and digging them out yeah. of a hole. That's because they've got such a strong squad. You know, five brilliant attackers, six or seven brilliant midfielders, a relatively strong defence. Um but, you know, I just look at Villa's options now and I think that if a couple of players miss out, that they've got players that can come in. You know, we, we, Tielemans wasn't getting a game, was he? And, and, and how he's come in and been very, very good. Um, you know, Diego Carlos has come in and, and taken a, a place. He hasn't played too much since he's joined the club. It just feels like everybody that comes into the team does a job now. Yeah, let's talk about the goalkeeper then, because he was he was one of the narratives of the game. Obviously, Emery against his old team was a big narrative. The fact that Villa had just beaten Manchester City and were up with Arsenal was a big part of the narrative. But Emi Martinez against his old team, another clean sheet. He made one. It was actually a brilliant save. He just made it look really easy because he telegraphed exactly what Erdegaard was going to do. And his interview after the game with his cut on his eye was was brilliant because he he just said, "I'm a, I'm a, I'm a believer, mate." And to hear him say that, someone who has won. Yeah. A World Cup and is the best goalkeeper in in the world. I think that's, a, that's probably a fact by this point. I, on Talksport yesterday, I was asked about him and I said he's a massive weirder, but he's but, he, but he's our weirder. And as a Villa Villa fan, you can't help but just to love him, but also like marvel and think 
how have Villa got the best goalkeeper in the world? <laughs> you know, his journey since leaving since leaving Arsenal and watching David Raya, who you know looks nervy to me and looked even more nervy in person, actually be, being at the ground. Emmy Martinez is on some journey, Greg. You mentioned McGinn's journey. Emmy Martinez yeah. is on a journey here, isn't he? Yeah, and look, just to go a little bit deeper on you know journeys while while we're mentioning that, you know, this this that is how Villa were recruiting for a couple of years. You know, they were saying, look, we're not a top five or six Premier League team yet, but we have ambitions to be there, and we're in a hurry to get there. So you come to us, you come and play. Uh, you come and play for us. We'll make you a Premier League player. You'll play regular. If you play well, you'll get into your um, your uh, international team, and then you know you've got the chance of playing for a very big club with uh, an esteemed history, uh, brilliant fan base, and a club that is going places. You can be a part of this journey. Now they did that with quite a few players, and if you look at the players that have gone on to become internationals, you know there's a fair few. Kamara's one, uh, Buendia's another, Matt Cash, Ollie Watkins, Tyrone Mings, Esri Konza now, although he hasn't featured. Um, and Emmy Martinez is another. One of the things he was desperate to be was Argentina's number one. And to think, you know, just three years ago, whenever it was, he wasn't even wasn't even playing for Argentina. And now he's he's been inspirational in a uh, Copa America and World Cup win. Um, and now he's in a title challenge Premier title challenging Premier League team. So. I, I, love, I love Martinez's attitude. Yeah, he's a bit arrogant, but that's what makes him brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I remember I've interviewed him a c- couple of times and, you know, I, I like his arrogance. I like the fact that he believes in himself. He believed that Villa could go on and become a bigger club um, and he wanted to be a part of the journey. Um, one thing I do remember interviewing, uh, one thing he used to say to me when he when doing interviews was that one of his biggest strengths was um, was actually kicking out with his hands. He doesn't do that very often anymore, just because of the way Villa play. But it would be interesting to see if ever he did start doing that. You know, a little bit like Alisson does at Liverpool to set Salah free and um, you know really catch him on the counter. It'd be interesting if he does that a bit more. But okay, he was caught out, wasn't he? Trying to do that at Bournemouth, but um, they, they they went and scored. But yeah, he's he has become a better goalkeeper at Villa. Um, there was a lot made previously about his relationship with Neil Cutler. Well, his relationship with um, Javi, the, the current goalkeeper, coach is very, very strong. He invited him to the ceremony for uh, when he got became the best goalkeeper in the world officially. Um, and uh, a lot of the work he's doing is new and inventive and, and different, and it's making him a better goalkeeper. He's just, oh, I, I say this every week, but he, he makes a world-class save every week. He's incredible. Yeah, you, I mean, you mentioned the kicking out of his hands. That was actually a tactic that was noticeably different from Villa on Saturday compared to Wednesday. Man City was all building up from the back and keeping that control and playing short. It seemed like it was a massive part of the game plan as well that Villa wouldn't do that against Arsenal. Maybe to try and surprise them for a bit in case they hadn't prepped for it, it felt. But to go over the top and try and exploit that pace and, and hurt Arsenal in that way. And, you know, by and large, actually, when that we did do that, it did make Arsenal look uncomfortable. So this is what I love, you know. I mean, we're talking on the fly here. We don't really prep anything. We just come on and, and have a chat. But this is what I love that you know, I've said this on numerous outlets as well, that you know, that off-the-ball setup is exactly the same every single week. But there's so many different things from one game to the next that they do that form part of the plan. And you mentioned the kickoff, you know, attacking the hole. That's uh, that's part yeah. of the game plan. They part wanted the plan, to yeah. do that yeah. and, yeah. and start fast. And I've just... It makes me just think, and this is a stupid way of looking at it, but I feel like every other manager I've ever watched for Villa, did they? I feel like, did they have a plan? Because I never used to notice all <laughs> yeah. these things. I notice so much now 
with with Villa, it's actually made me better at talking about football. Being a bit of a fan now, because I feel like I, I feel like never mind the players learning. I feel like I learn something every single week. I watch Villa. And look, if you if you go back to Emery's very early time at Villa, you know he almost said that he had to try and educate the supporters, didn't he? If you if you if you remember, you know he he ha- he did have mm. to teach the fans that look, this is the way we're going to play. You got to believe in me. It might take a little bit of time, but you know in the long run. I expect it will be good, and and it has. Look, I mean, I know the players; they they really enjoy working with him because of you know. There's a lot of buy in there now because they they know now, um, they know that they're working with a, an elite level manager. <clears throat> so anything he says, they know he's pretty much good for for, for their game. Um, and there are little tweaks here and there. You know, it will be a case of sometimes not attacking with any more than than three players in front of the ball. Um, you know, sometimes they Villa play with more of a five-man defence, don't they, and a, and, and a four-man defence. And sometimes Kamara drops back a little bit deeper, and you know, McGinn often goes more towards the left rather than staying in the centre a little bit. It's just all these little tweaks and just f- trying to find weaknesses in the opposition. But it will be a case of, I, I mean, I think what's really impressive with Villa that they <clears throat> that they keep winning is because the recovery time, a for the players and b for the coaches too. Um, you know, prepare for each opponent. He's so short now um, that whereas last year they had sort of seven, sometimes eight days to prepare for a game. So, you know, you can do a lot of deep analysis on opponents um, and find ways to get the better of them. Now it's just a lot more rushed, um, but they're still finding those uh, those areas. It's working yeah, so, so well. It's about the marginal gains, isn't it? Isn't it? You know, even from like the set pieces, there's different things that you see yeah. every every single game. You'll never see the same set piece routine from from game to game. Although we did see Luis shooting from corners quite consistently at one point, but I think that was that was under Gerard. In, in in fairness, but you know, you never even see the same set piece routine. Watkins was very high up the pitch against Manchester City, but against Arsenal in the first half in particular, it was. Drop deep, drop deep, mm. keep dropping deep. Pull, de- pull defenders with you know Tillemans is positioning as, as well. It references this in, your, in, in in the athletic tactics space actually. And Tillemans, the way he was positioning himself, was forcing Gabriel to come and come and come and play higher and press. And you know that was part of Villa's goal. That goal, I mean, you touched on it briefly, briefly before. And nearly every player in the team has touched the ball in the build up to that goal. But I watched it back again this morning, and what what impressed me the most is that as soon as Villa get past the halfway line. Everything's so precise. No player has to break stride to receive the ball at any point until it gets to John McGinn in the box and he swivels on it and scores. You know, that's not easy. That's that's rhythmic. That comes with work on the training ground. That comes with knowing exactly where, you know, the relationships that you have with each other on on the pitch. You don't see many goals like that, but I feel like for Villa, you see that kind of pullback goal quite a lot. But the fact that, you know, Bailey, Tillemans, you know, none of them had to break stride at any point. That's like that's not easy. That that is such good football. That's that's hours and hours and weeks and months of of practicing certain patterns of play on the training ground. You know, it will come into match day minus three, maybe if, if they have a normal week, they will look at doing things like that. Um, you know, and it will be bang on the training ground, half a pitch, working on attacking movements with mannequins in the way, and certain players going through various areas. And on the training pitch, it, it is as easy as it looked on the on the match day because all you have to do, if you know the exact movements, um, and it's you know drilled into your mind, which Emery does. Okay, the finish was a little bit different from from McGinn. It was slightly behind him, and he had to sort of um, 
uh, you know, freestyle almost, but he does that brilliantly, doesn't he? That one yeah, foot turn and then the other shot, you know, he's, he's so good at that on the turn. Unbelievable footballer. <laughs> he's so, so underrated. Um, he's just so, so, so underrated. I mean, you, you speak to people who are just, you know, neutral football fans and you say, tell me the best five midfielders in, in the Premier League on form right now. I bet none of them mention John McGinn. Whereas, I reckon you know, they will now. I reckon they would now. <laughs> Do you reckon? Yeah. I said, again, this is, I'm repeating myself on things I've said on, on other outlets, but I haven't spoke to you about it, you know. McGinn now is almost, you know, Villa, you know, when Jack Grealish played well, Villa played well and usually got a result. When McGinn is in the game and on the game, on his game, and he's playing to the best of his ability, which he has been week in, week out at the moment, that everyone else raises to that level as well. And it mm. feels like, you know, he's mm. as talismatic now for me. As Jack Grace and Villa are a better team than they were then in terms of the players that they have. But he is becoming that that talisman that when he plays well, Villa play well. He dribbled, all his numbers and his metrics for that game against Arsenal were, were, were ridiculous. You know, he made the most tackles, most dribbles, most most presses. You know, he does everything. We talk about Douglas Louise doing everything as a, as a number six now in, in his position. McGinn's doing everything as, a, as an attacking midfielder, really, because he's scoring goals as well. And, you know, he wasn't really getting those goals last season. No, no, that I mean, he's he's yeah, he's he's, he's hitting the headlines because he's getting goals, but um, right foot, left foot as well. Off, yeah, he's brilliant. Isn't it? It's that I mean, I love that finish. He did, but the the finish with the goal, he does that a lot in the middle of the park as well. And it doesn't often get as as noticed. You know, one touch with the one foot and then turns and, and moves up the way, uh, spins away. Brilliant footballer. Um, doesn't like training, <laughs> so it's interesting to uh, interesting to see what. Uh, um, you know he's like day to day in in, in midweek because he, you know he lives for the match day and um, but look under Emery everybody's had to to, to change a little bit um, but yeah he's in your face isn't he? he's just he's somebody you want on your team you know he's he's strong and he's purposeful but he he's got a bit of you know he's got a lot of quality as well and yeah I'm, I'm not I mean I'm not sure maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong here and people do recognise him but I just feel like he's never really in the conversations too much and I don't know why that is you know is it because is it because he doesn't play for England maybe you know and he's Scottish instead and you know we don't we don't see him so often in, on an international fixture I, I don't know he's doing it for Scotland though as well isn't he you know I mean, he's, he's doing it for Scotland as well. yeah but yeah 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 I mean he is yeah yeah I, I'm just I'm just not sure why he doesn't get talked about as much because for me he's brilliant I know I know for because I did the Who Scored weekly podcast I know he's I think he might even be top of the who scored form rankings at the moment across the entirety of the Premier League. So everything they measure games by. That's I think over the last six cool. games, he's got the highest average rating across the whole Premier League. He was second a few weeks ago to Haaland, actually. But I'm imagining now he's actually usurped him and, and overtaken him. We are going to wrap this up soon. But before we do, let's hear a little bit more about our sponsors, NordVPN. 1874 is proudly sponsored by NordVPN, so when the Villa are playing and you can't watch it, we want to help you. NordVPN is a secure and private service which works on pretty much any device, including your laptop, mobile and your smart television. So if you want to watch some live content, it allows you to appear like you're in another country. And whilst you're connected, no one else can find out what you're doing, including your internet service provider. Beyond this, the service also has threat protection baked in to protect you from intrusive website ads and malware, which is pretty handy for you. As part of NordVPN supporting 1874, they have given us an exclusive deal of up to 65% off and four months for free. This also includes Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. 
All you've got to do is go to 1874.io slash NordVPN and sign up. All the details are also in the description. As always, we're very grateful to anyone that signs up. We know that money is tight, but if you think NordVPN will help you out, it will also help keep the channel running and help us. As I say, we will wrap the pod up soon, but just we've referenced yours and Jacob's article in The Athletic this morning. Sorry, this morning? Yeah, it came out this morning. The article came out this morning. We've referenced it, and we've spoke about a few little bits and pieces in this pod that were in that article, but the article does go into much more detail, doesn't it? There is a, there's a fair few things. There's things I definitely didn't know in that article about Villa's prep and build-up and how they approached that week. Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, you know, it's probably Villa's biggest week, um, maybe since they got promoted. Maybe ever. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's it's been a huge week for Villa, and typically, what we what we tend to do at the Athletic when um, you know really big occasions on really big occasions or after really big moments, we we go into a lot of detail about um, you know some things behind the scenes. So, yeah, go and have a read of that. There's there's lot there's a lot more in there about how Emery prepares for things. You know about some of the uh, previous transfer windows on on who. Villa went for and and uh, you know some of the the um, you know the, the decision making process really um, and yeah you know going into January I wonder whether whether Villa will be interested in signing any more players or whether they even need any. Yeah, I'm still in the camp of I don't think Villa need much one absolute maximum, but I actually don't think Villa would do any business. I know Jacob wrote a few weeks ago, maybe right back, they're looking to get 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 a right back in. I, I assume if they did that because of squad size and registration quotas, they'd probably have to move Chambers on and get someone who's going to compete a little bit more because Chambers is, is purely back up at, at the moment. Before we wrap up, though, Brentford on Sunday, historically not been a great place for, for Villa to go over the years. But Emery's got rid of so many hoodoos now, but Villa will be doing it without a couple of players because Louise and uh, Luca Dean both picked up their fifth bookings of the campaign. But, you know, Morena to come in, Tillemans will probably move back in and he's been playing really, really well. A special word for Dendonka, actually, because he barely played. I was shocked <laughs> to see him enter the fray against Arsenal. He actually did really well when he, when he came on as well. That that shows as well, doesn't it? Just complete buy-in from the players that someone who hasn't yeah. played really for months just comes on against Arsenal and doesn't or, look out of Yeah, or, or, or maybe, look, I, I don't know the, the full story with Dendonka, but I, pre, I, I can presume he'd be a bit, a bit, a bit frustrated of not yeah. playing too often. Um, so it's more about his quality, I'd say, rather than the buying um, that he comes on and shows that you know he, he can do a job still. Um, I mean, you'd probably put him towards him and Chambers up towards the top of the list of potential outgoings, wouldn't you? In January, Probably you'd have thought. As well. um, although saying that, would you want to? Yeah, would you want to leave Villa if they're pushing for a title? Then you've got the chance of potentially getting a, yeah. uh, a Premier League winners' medal. There aren't going to be many moving in a hurry, are there? No, I don't uh, think so. That'll so, be the only way I think Villa do business if they manage to recoup a little bit of money. Yeah. And look, though, you know, we, we we spoke last week on the pod about them needing to be a bit more creative to to get some money back into the club, and I'm sure they will do that over the next couple of transfer windows. But yeah, the, it's a great position for Villa to be in to not really need to buy any um, any players. I do think maybe one sprinkling of magic up front if they could just to help them, um, you know, in the second half of the season would be would be useful if if they can find the right guy to do that. Um, it might just take a little bit of the pressure off off Watkins. Um, you know, over the over the course of a full season, um, but yeah, Brentford away, uh, a place that Villa have struggled at previously. 
I don't fear. I don't fear too many problems this weekend. If you look at the fixture list, as well, actually, if you, yeah, yeah. If, I mean, if you look at the fixture list now. I mean, Villa are pretty well. Look, no fixtures easy, of course. We have to caveat with that, but um, they're in a good position to kick on now, and it's more towards the, the the latter weeks of the season that look really difficult. And if Villa are right there going into say like March time, it could be such an exciting finish to the season. Yeah, I mean, you'd have said your Spurs. Bournemouth, Spurs and Bournemouth away and then Man City and Arsenal. There's something again. Um, uh, then Man City and Arsenal at home. You know, for Villa to come out with 10 points, you know, you, you, you that's some return. That's a, that's a tricky period. Yeah, I think it's you a, it's a pretty, pretty paper, brilliant return. It's, you know, t- it's, it's title time. winning. It's title winning form. Like it's I said brilliant. last week, I said last week, I thought Villa would be Pleased with a point out of out the two <laughs> games, and I mean, look how look how ridiculous <laughs> that looks now. But um, I, st- I still think a point would have been good, as mad as that sounds. I still I do still think a point would have been a good return out of those. I said I'd have taken two, didn't I? Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but you were going for six. <laughs> yeah, we're going for, always going for six, Greg. And Villa got six. What a brilliant week it's been to, to be a to be a Villa fan. Just feel absolutely on top of the world at the moment, and, and look forward to every game. There's a nice bonus game on Thursday. In, in Europe as well for some people to, to get some minutes, which might help as we enter the frantic Christmas period. Thanks ever so much. If you well, thanks ever so much for tuning in and watching or listening to this podcast. Wherever you do ingest or digest, I don't know what the right word is. This show, then make sure you're doing all the stuff that helps us, like liking, commenting, uh, subscribing. All that stuff really helps our channel. Be back with a match preview show. Probably we'll probably skip over the European game if I'm being perfectly honest, because I'm at Sky Sports News on Thursday, so I don't know whether we'll get any done before that game but we will be doing a preview on Friday ahead of Villa's trip to Brentford and then Greg and myself will be back on Monday to do this show again thanks for all the support you're giving the channel and this show we know people really do enjoy this weekly pod and we thank you ever so much thank you to Adam for producing and thank you to NordVPN for continuing to sponsor us have a great week and up the villa Podcast Network.